Good luck with the most beautiful game. Do us proud. Red alert! They're off and running again. So smooth, so sweet, splendid, succinct, just glorious execution. Guys, all I'm looking for is 60% effort, 4,000% of the time. How sharp was that? Sharp of mind and body. And that's why you see those beautiful tears. Look at his movements. The most dangerous man on the planet. Nobody picks him up. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Wonder Gold, the soccer betting podcast from the Action Network. My name is Michael Leboff. Joining me in just a moment will be Anthony DeBundo and BJ Cunningham. Together, the three of us will break down the four Champions League round of 16 matches coming our way Tuesday and Wednesday. Now, before we do that, before I bring them in, a reminder that Wonder Gold is presented to you by Bet365, the world's favorite sportsbook brand. Sign out with promo code ACTION to get Bet365's exclusive sign-up offer in New Jersey, Colorado, and Ohio, where you can bet $1 on any game and get $200 for your troubles. BJ, Anthony, uh, two games on Tuesday. That's where we'll start. And we'll get this one out of the way. Benfica and Bruges. Uh, Benfica's home. They're minus 250 on the three-way line. Bruges plus 650. The draw is plus 375. Benfica is up 2-0 on aggregate. Away goals don't count anymore, so it's just a straight 2-0. Heading back to Portugal, Bruges is 25-1 to advance uh, and a robust 750-1 to to win the Champions League now. Uh, Benfica sitting at 25-1 to to win the whole kit and caboodle. I, I got nothing here. I think if you want to play some alternate totals or the nil-nil, like this is, we, we talked about this with um, a game a couple weeks ago in the premier league with wolves and Fulham. I believe the two teams were, where it's just, it's really hard to script this one out. So I would just pick your level of variance and, and play it that way if you want something, but uh, I'm going to be skipping this one entirely. Anything for you here, Anthony? Well, you know, I, I gave my best shot in the first leg. Uh, we had some Bruges plus a half. Well, I had some Bruges plus a half. Uh, BJ did not. And, um, you know, we started well. I thought, you know, the first five to 10 minutes, they played pretty well and they, they uh, found some traditional moments, but uh, Benfica settled in and then it was pretty much just getting our goal pumped for about 25, 30 minutes. We did score off a set piece at the end of the half uh, and it was varred off by like a toenail. I know BJ would have been uh, real nervous had that gone in, but uh, yeah, I mean, there's just a big talent gap here. And at home, I liked Bruges catching the half goal. But on the road, having to chase the game, having to give it a go, given the talent edge for Benfica and, and you know, Benfica continues to roll, uh, you know, it's very hard for me to make the case that Bruges will go on the road here and get a result. Uh, and and so I'm, I'm going to be passing here as well. It's just hard to, to bet a dead, a basically dead rubber. If they were going to Bruges, it'd be more intriguing. But now that we're going to Benfica, I'm kind of out here. Yeah, I think so, too. It's just like this team is built for this exact situation. You know, just a, a team that you're better than that needs to score two to, to force extra time and you're building. Uh, they can kind of sit back and, and do their thing. Uh, anything for you here, BJ, before we move on to Chelsea and Dortmund? No, this is the easiest pass on the board here. I mean, Anthony hit the nail on the head. If Bruges can't sit back 
and try to set their pressing traps and try to get moving forward against Benefica, which they did do a good job in the first 20 minutes. I'll give them credit for that. But if they have to play open, I mean, you saw it in the second half where it's just like every single time that Benefica got the ball and got numbers going forward, it felt like they were going to score. So I don't know. I agree with you, Michael. This could play out a 0-0 draw, but you know, Benefica is also one of these teams that's very, very much built to control possession, control game state. Uh, so I think it's going to be very, very difficult for Bruges to get the ball off them. So yeah, this is the easiest pass the board. Also, Bruges has still only won two matches under Scott Parker since he's taken over, and we're going on about two or three months now. Yeah, it's not great. I think uh, you know if if we we kind of saw this last year a little bit where Liverpool rotated in the second leg against Benfica, and Benfica you know ended up turning into just like kind of a chaotic back and forth. But that was a after Liverpool won the first leg, but that was a very different situation because one Benfica had a lot more attacking firepower than this Bruges team did. I mean, Bruges only managed four shots at home in the first leg. Uh, and I don't really expect Benfica to rotate here. Like I, you know, this is the champions league yeah. for them. They'll, they'll rotate only, the it's only two, nothing. It's only two, nothing. Exactly. They'll yeah. They'll rotate in the Portuguese league. They won't, they won't rotate here. Exactly. So that's kind of my point. And so, um, yeah, there, there's not really like a strong case for this defense getting exposed here. Uh, all right, Chelsea and Dortmund. I think, Pretty sure that the ratings will probably show out that uh, not many people uh, will be watching Benfica and Bruges besides the sickos who are who are betting it. Which game's on CBS, Michael? Is it this one? Uh, let's, I yes. hope so. <laughs> I mean, um, and uh, but like I said, you know, if you are betting that if you're going to be sweating out that Benfica Bruges game because you got to bet on it, uh, more power to you. We are there with you in spirit, just not with our wallets. But uh, let's talk about this. Chelsea Dortmund game. Chelsea's odds on at home minus one ten. Dortmund's three to one on the road. Uh, the draw is plus two sixty. The aggregate here one nil to Dortmund to advance. Dortmund minus one seventy five. Chelsea plus one twenty five. Interestingly, uh, Dortmund thirty three to one to win the tour, uh, the whole tournament, and Chelsea's twenty to one. I mean that that probably just comes down to the fact that more more money has come in on on Chelsea here in the states uh, by a pretty wide margin than Dortmund. Plus, you know, I mean it's just yeah, it's it's about their pedigree more than anything. Um, so I wouldn't read too much into that. It is an interesting footnote. Chelsea coming off a impressive showing. Uh, they, they finally won. got they finally got rewarded for some some decent process uh, with a 1-0 win against Leeds. Once again, though, only one goal, um, which is a little concerning. They've got one goal in their last three Premier League matches uh, and four if you want to throw in the Dortmund match as well. And the if you want to go back even further than that, Two goals uh, in there since February 3rd. No, excuse me, January 21st in the, in the Premier League. That's six matches. So they just can't score, which makes it a little tough when they're chasing uh, when they're chasing the match. That said, uh, the number at Dortmund, I wish it was just a little bit bigger on the three-way line because then I would get there. Uh, it could be chaos, though. Graham Potter's first time also in this situation, which I find interesting. BJ, what do you think? Yeah, you know, I bet the over in the first match, and after watching it, I said I would definitely bet the over again, 100 times out of 100, and so I'm going to do it again here in the second leg. So we had 3.5 expected goals created in that first leg, 2.1 of which by Chelsea. They hit the bar. They 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 did everything possible to not score in that match. I mean, Felix had so many opportunities, and what became very evident early on is that, you know, Potter obviously likes to slow things down and be very possession-based, but they found out very early on that the way to exploit Dortmund is to get at them in transition, which also plays into Dortmund's favor because they're very good in transition offense. So it ended up being like a very end-to-end style match. It was very entertaining to watch. And I expect 
pretty much the same thing in this type of match. And the thing about it was, is Chelsea, they did an excellent job pressing Dortmund. It's something they've done very, very good all season long. So in that match, they had a pass per defensive action of 6.4. They forced nine high turnovers. And right now, Graham Potter's side is the number one team in the Premier League in passes per defensive action. They're also top six in high turnovers and progressive passes and dribbles allowed. So they were, and they really in that first leg, and what's something that, you know, Potter has, historically has done well at Brighton is he's been a great, he's had a great set piece offense. Dortmund is a really bad set piece defense. They've been improving in the Bundesliga, but at one point they were dead last in XG per set piece. And in the first leg, Chelsea put up half an expected goal off a set piece. And it's funny how media narratives get built, right? In this match, Reese James almost, you know, puts a free kick in the back of the net. They go and take a Chelsea goes and takes a corner of the ball, pinballs around. Dortmund does an overhead kick to a demi. He beats Enzo in a one-on-one scores. And suddenly Graham Potter needs to be sacked and Chelsea sacked and Chelsea sucks. When the reality is Chelsea was creating chance after chance after chance and just nothing was going in the back of the net. There is something interesting for Dortmund here. Cobal, their starting goalkeeper, it looks like he's out for this match, which means Alexander Meyer's going to be in net. That is a massive downgrade. He's only played five nineties this season in the Bundesliga. He has a minus 3.6 post shot XG plus minus. So you have that working in against Dortmund's favor. And, you know, Dortmund obviously showed Chelsea's vulnerabilities in transition. They obviously exploited them uh, very, very well there. And Dortmund is not the style team. That's just going to say, all right, we'll sit back in our two low blocks and we're not going to come out and you can just basically have the ball and pass it around or whatever. No, Dortmund's very, very good when the game becomes transitional. So I don't really expect them, you know, maybe early on, there'll be a feeling out point, but I think as the match progresses, Dortmund will turn this into a transitional end to end type match. And especially if Chelsea scores first, which they're very overdue to to score (laughs) two goals in the last seven off of 9.6 expected. I'm expecting a big time, over game, honestly, a lot of, a lot of chances either end. So I'm hoping these chances go in this time. I do have 2.9 goals projected. So over two and a half at, at minus minus one ten is good enough for me. One other interesting note too, is like Chelsea minus one ten uh, to win on the three-way line, but plus plus one twenty-five uh to advance. So if you are interested in the minus one ten on the three-way line, uh, I would just go ahead and take the advance line. I know that they can, you know, win and then go to overtime or extra time and, uh, than lose, but I think you take that risk for the extra money there or the better odds. Anthony, what are your thoughts here on Dortmund and Chelsea? Yeah, I agree. I think if you like Chelsea here, uh, instead of taking the money line, take the two advance because I think there's a lot more worlds where Chelsea, uh, you know, finds the back of the net a bunch of times uh, and runs away with this. Or even if they get to extra time, I would make Chelsea a pretty solid favorite to advance at that point as well. Of course, there is the risk that they lose on like a penalty shootout, but. I think they have more depth um, in attack than Dortmund, especially given the injuries for Dortmund right now. And so I'm actually going to take some Chelsea to advance plus one. uh, There's plus 132 out there is what I just bet a minute ago. So there's a few things. BJ mentioned it with Koble. He is expected to miss. It's not just him, though. Adeyemi is going to miss. That's a big loss. Now, Chelsea has some injury issues of their own. Thiago Silva went off injured. He's not going to play in this match. So you you worry a little bit about Chelsea defensively because of that. But they also might have N'Golo Conte back off the bench, which, you know, if, if a game is close late, uh, Conte being out there could be a huge boost. I know he has not played in a long time, but just his presence seems to really make things click for Chelsea. Reese James looks like he's out too. Uh, but like Chelsea has the the depth to kind of make up for that. And I think you know, Dortmund has won every match since the World Cup break. They are 10 for 10. 
their uh, eight wins in the Bundesliga. They won their Champions League match. They won their Pokal match. So you have to get a little bit lucky to win, you know, 10 in a row. They're getting unreal production from Julian Brandt right now. But I think we kind of saw the flaws against Leipzig when they try to sit deep and absorb pressure. It's really bad. I mean, they they let Leipzig kind of just have the ball and, and the, they had no resistance to stopping balls from coming in from all directions. Miracle that they got away with a win in that match when all things were said and done. And it wasn't the first time that this has happened for Dortmund where I, I think they've gone a little bit too conservative, a little bit too quickly, and it's really hurt them. It hasn't hurt them, but it should have hurt them. You can even go back uh, you know, to the win against Hoffenheim, where at the very end of the match, I mean, Hoffenheim had chance after chance after chance uh, to score. You know, even in this first leg with Chelsea, same thing. You know, they stole two late wins against Osberg and, and Mainz earlier in this winning run. So, like, there's been a lot of bounces that have gone Dortmund's way, and I think it's created a little bit of an inflated perception on them. And yeah, I think Chelsea's process is still pretty fine uh, at home. Otter, uh, you know, the, the defensive possession does worry me a little bit. Like they could just get, you know, stuck doing too much of that. But I do think ultimately if Dortmund comes in with the plan of kind of just absorbing pressure, I think they're going to, they're going to, they're going to fold, especially with Meyer and goal. And so I like Chelsea to advance. I think they're going to turn this. Uh, and it really comes down to finishing variance. I mean, even in the first half against, leads it was you know free header from Fafana from five yards out over the bar Felix hits the underside of the crossbar and it bounces right back out uh and then Havertz misses a one-on-one and then I forget who it was but somebody else had a chance for a pass for a tap and he missed the pass by like was a Havertz. yard he, he, yeah. he took two touches when he should have taken one and just right. passed it to uh Felix yeah and, and Havertz is short on confidence right now but you know we've seen this movie too many times we've talked about this enough on this show like eventually they will go in uh and not if your team of Werner I mean, team is having a decent season. Yeah, you have to transfer to. You have to go to a different team for them to start going in. Yeah, maybe. Darwin Nunez though, going to win the Champions League again. Yeah, Timo, he is. Yes, you will forget. But yeah, no, I like Chelsea to turn this. I think they're going to. And that's. I think the the market's respecting Chelsea in the sense that that's why those odds are the way they are to win the whole thing. But Chelsea just has a. Yeah, I mean, it's only one goal. It's only one goal deficit, and they're coming home, so it's not like it's completely insurmountable for them. Yeah. Yeah, I I would say that the that obviously that Chelsea Dortmund game for for casuals is great, but the betting on Wednesday is a lot better, and it's all because of this one. Bayern minus one twenty at home hosting PSG plus two sixty. The draw is plus three thirty three. Bayern's up one nil on aggregate. They won in Paris uh, minus six hundred to advance. The Bavarians are PSG four to one. To win the whole kit, Kabuto, Bayern's plus 350. They're the second choice. After City, PSG's as high as 22 to 1. We said this, we laid this out a few weeks ago before the first leg of this encounter when PSG was dealing with a bunch of injuries. A couple of the guys didn't end up playing, but PSG was a mess at the time. And what did we say? If they could, we expected them to lose, they did. And if they could have kept it to 1 0, it sets up a great opportunity to come back in on, on PSG. And that's what we got here. Uh, four to one, I think is fine to advance. Plus 260 on the, the three-way money line. Go right ahead. Um, but I also think 22 to one to win the whole thing is a great number. Because what, what did we say before this tie? They're already playing the second best team in the tournament according to the odds, right? Like So if they get through Bayern, that's one of the best teams in the entire tournament out that doesn't mean that they can they might draw a city in the next in the quarterfinal sure like that's the just just the nature of, of how these things work or real madrid or whatever but 
you're going to see most likely Benfica get through. You'll see uh, Inter Milan and AC Milan. Like they're the the field is not going to be that deep. It's going to be City. It's going to be Real Madrid. It'll be you know one of Chelsea or Dortmund. Hopefully PSG if they get through. It's going to be open. Is the point. So if PSG do get through, I think you're going to be wanting to hold a 22 to one because what are their odds going to be if they do win this tie? What Bayern's are right now? Five to one, four to one. Yeah, yeah. Right, Bayern's plus three fifty. They're going to be like a shade higher than that, maybe even right at it. So I think the twenty-two to one on on PSG is is a really good buy low opportunity uh, for a team that if they just have to reverse and then this team obviously has its demons in this competition and going to Germany and beating a really good team on the road in this competition is hard, but they're good enough to do it on paper. So if they can flip it, lay PSG, come on. Uh, I'll, I'll be on the 22 to one. I like the number here. Uh, Anthony, you're with me in some respect. Yeah. Uh, if you follow me in the app, as soon as the line popped for the second leg, like the first leg ended, uh, I was getting dinner in uh, and walking into the store and I was refreshing multiple sports books, trying to figure out, you know, who's going to put up the first line. I want to hit PSG and Byron opened minus 145. And I was like, holy cow, uh, that is high. Uh, grabbed PSG plus three quarters, still like it at plus a half. Now that Byron's come down a little bit. I think this is, I mean, if you watch the match, the first leg PSG played with no Mbappe and, and didn't have any outlet in the first half. Like Messi and Neymar were the only two really forward players. They got penned in. They couldn't break through the press. Um, Byron didn't really create anything though. And that was notable as bad as PSG's defense has been this season and especially in recent games. I mean, Marseille ripped them apart for 2XG, Lille over 2XG, Nantes scored twice on Saturday. Um, this defense has had major holes. It's, it's pretty concerning. But even despite that, Bayern couldn't create much of anything centrally in the middle of the penalty area, which is really all I'm worried about. You know, if Bayern hits a banger, you know, tip your cap. But if you're not giving up these high-quality chances to Bayern, then I think I can live with anything else and hope Donnarumma has a good shot-stopping day. So... What happened in the second half? Mbappe came on, and I mean, it was one-way traffic for PSG. I mean, they lost 1-0, but Sommer made a ridiculous save where he got lucky with his head on a one-on-one. And then PSG does score, and the guy is offsides by like a yard, not even, like foot, like 40 yards up the field. Uh, and, you know, it's offsides. Not the goal doesn't count, but like, over and over and over again, Bayern looked real bad, real shaky uh, in transition defense. And now Neymar's out, but Messi and Mbappe are going to be good to go and are fit and flying and playing well. And uh, both scored over the weekend. Both have been scoring and assisting each other for weeks now. They destroyed Marseille. They put up over two XG against Lille and Marseille and and put up four on non. Like this attack in transition against a Bayern team that's not going to have Pavard isn't playing Cancelo anymore. Cancelo played 12 minutes against Union off the bench, then did not play against Stuttgart. Uh, Nagelsmann, is he just not going to play him now? Like, okay, but that's a downgrade. Uh, and Daly Blind playing left back. I tweeted this when they lost to Gladbach. He was getting cooked over and over again in transition, like defending in space and with a high line with him is, who it's dangerous. Uh, and I think, I think PSG is perfectly suited to finally get some bounces and some VAR decisions and some breaks their way in this damn league. Uh, and I think that plus a half when they don't even, you know, if it's one, one late Byron's going to be protecting a lead, not 
trying to go run out the score. So I love the plus a half here on PSG. Get it on the 22 to one. I think I will. I think I will. I still don't trust them though. Like even if they win this match, like if they play Benfica, like I'm hitting Benfica in, in the next round. If they play uh, Chelsea, I'm hitting Chelsea in the next round. If they play, who else could they play? I mean, um, who else is going to be in this? Real Madrid. Mm, probably wouldn't bet Real Madrid. But after, if they play, uh, well, buddy, after today, I don't know about that. After Real Madrid drew Betis, no, no. No, after Liverpool just put up a touchdown against United, the best team in the world, Anthony. Oh, yeah. Well, if Liverpool comes back to uh, win that tie, maybe Liverpool, maybe, <laughs> but I wouldn't bet PSG against Liverpool. So, like, there's not a lot of teams where I'm feeling good about PSG. Um, obviously, the market is the reason I would bet against them. But uh, this PSG team, I just like this matchup a lot more so than I like them long term. But I mean, of course, they have three of the five best players in the world, arguably. So like they're live in any competition to win anything at any time. Right. And and they're 22 to one right now. So yeah, that's, that's the, that's the point. And uh, BJ, this is your team. You love, you yeah. love these guys. Oh, I love these guys. Um, Yeah. This is really hard for me. Um, So I do project Byron at minus 160. Um, I'm not playing Byron. There's no chance I'm playing him uh, at this high of a number. I mean, I think Anthony hit the nail on the head is that in the first half, Byron, just completely controlled the entire match. They kept PSG in their own end. They didn't create a bunch of chances, but their press was incredibly effective. I mean, they had a pass per defensive action for the match at 7.4, and I'm pretty sure all six of their high turnovers came in that first half. And then Mbappe came on the pitch, and Bayern was in trouble. And I think it's very interesting uh, what Galtier is going to do. I honestly wouldn't be surprised if he plays a 4-4-2 and just puts Messi and Mbappe up top uh, instead of the usual 4-3-3. Uh, but yeah, I mean, who's going to play right back? I mean, Bayern, to, Bayern on Saturday against Stuttgart played Joseph Stanisic, um, who's you know a, a young defender, but like Anthony mentioned, he's not Cancelo. And even if they do play Cancelo, he's not a good defender. So how is he supposed to handle Mbappe or Neymar? So you have those question marks. But again, the problem that exists with PSG over and over and over again is that since Mbappe and Messi don't do a lot of defensive work, if Bayern, everything that we know about Bayern is true from what we see in the Champions League, they are not just going to hand PSG the ball, sit in two low blocks and say, hey, come and break us down. They're going to be on the front foot. They're going to be going for the kill shots. So that's what worries me. If I bet PSG that Bayern is, is not going, they're going to try and score. They're going to go for it. And yeah, that does leave them a little bit exposed. But again, when you're defending with eight guys against one of the best attacking teams in the world, it's very, very tough. Plus, Marquinhos is going to be out for PSG. So that's another blow for them. So you're relying on Donnarumma, who has been playing better. But, you know, coming into the first leg, he was on a really bad uh, form of shot stopping. Uh, and, you know, the goal that they scored, he probably should have saved. Um, but, yeah, no, I am. I think this is, you know, I, how I feel is I've, you know, I faded PSG in, in the first leg pretty heavily. I won. So, I'm, you know, I'm feeling like, all right, I got my win. And I didn't feel very comfortable about it. So I think this is a... A pretty easy pass uh, for me. Yeah, so, I do think it's easy. interesting. Like the the second half, though, and and so Stanisic plays, and they asked Nagelsmann about why, and he's like, you know, he gives us better defense, you know, and and we're less vulnerable. But like, I'm more worried about the other side. And of course, Mbappe, Mbappe. But like, again, it's the daily blend problem. Uh, and you know, Davies is good at kind of getting up and down, but there's no great answer. And I thought, I thought, you know, Gladbach did a really good job of kind of exposing that, that flaw. And you can just see exactly how this plays out. And I think this is kind of similar. Mbappe has, has crushed Bayern in the past, but I think this is kind of similar to um, 
you know, what ultimately did happen in the first leg in 2020, where it was Bayern had a lot of possession was creating a bunch of chances. Remember that was the Bayern that had Lewandowski that had this, the focal point to center the attack around. Uh, I don't think this Bayern team is, is as good as that team. And I think they're just as vulnerable defensively. Uh, so I think PSG, I think Mbappe is going to get one in transition. I think it, it, the easiest way to beat a press is when you have one of the best players in the world at the top of it, who's extremely fast and good at dribbling. And once he gets the ball, I mean, everything breaks. Uh, and then they have the greatest creator of all time next to him. So like, uh, I like my chances at, at this being a coin flip game at the worst. If anything, I, I think like I PSG is definitely a value on the money line too, of course. And if you think this way, I don't know why you wouldn't get in on the future because because I know well, I'm just going to be fading. I'm going to be like they're going to draw Benfica, and then I'm going to be, be like, well, you know, Benfica is really well set up to. And they were better than them in both. But legs. That, that, they ben, were. What, what says they're going to? Why would they have to draw Benfica? I mean, it's Real Madrid will beat them. Nah, Real Napoli Madrid's will beat them. Paper, t- paper Tiger. Leipzig will. Dismantle. Right, but but these teams like <laughs> they can only draw one of them. And so Chelsea's the best. Let's team say they world. let's say they do draw Benfica, they'll be favored, and that means that you know, City, Napoli, Madrid, uh, the the two Milan clubs, like they're gonna have to play other teams, and they'll all be elim- like they'll have to face what the, yeah. the, those three of those teams. BJ in, will never bet on PSG. You can. I'm, I'm never had, gonna do it. Ever. I had it's... the ticket. I had like ten to one last year before they signed Messi. And then they signed him and it went off at like three to one. And then they lost in the first round of the knockouts. And I was just like, mm-hmm. I'm never betting this team again in the Champions League. So the, I'm a little bit. But I, I mean, bet you it's just I... the same problem over and over for them. It's like, yeah, they look great. Neymar's out, which I think is okay in this matchup. Yeah, no, I, I think they're like, okay without It's the Neymar same here. problem that existed for years. And nobody, no manager that's came in has been able to solve it. It's that Messi and Mbappe don't do defensive work. They sit in two low blocks that they're not used to doing, and they're just not effective in doing that. We've seen it time and time again. Yeah, Bayern didn't create a ton of chances in the first leg, but when they have to play these style of teams, they don't have a style of play that can really dominate them. They're stuck on the foot on the back on their on their back foot, and then they have to rely. I mean, it's the same problem for France. But, yeah, but France, here's the thing: France though, won a World Cup and they've gone to this final. And yeah, right. that's Killian the Mbappe. thing. That's, that's the, the thing. only thing. It's like because they have Kylian Mbappe, <laughs> they're really good. But other than that, every other area on the pitch, they get dominated. But the forty minutes where he was on the pitch, they weren't getting dominated. They were doing the dominating. Like they had like four great chances. Byron was def- like barely hanging on. I don't remember Byron having like a clear. I know. I was ro- and I was rooting against the goal. I, I was. I, I was, was like, rooting on. I, I had the under, and I was like, "This is in trouble." Once need, that second goal, I was like, "I just need like, Bayern to get out of here with the one 0 because I want the number on PSG." Uh, yeah, and man, it's, it's going to be fun to be rooting for them, and and you guys are going to be missing out. And and when they do draw Benfica, and it's like City versus Madrid, and or City Napoli in the quarter in another quarterfinal, and City, Madrid City versus, ain't going through, buddy. Versus Chelsea. Yeah, <laughs> sorry, Leipzig. Um, yeah, there you go. I, I'm telling you, I think. <laughs> Look, it, the, the hardest the hardest part of this is is obviously up, upsetting Bayern uh, and getting through this round. But if you if you have you have the opportunity to get twenty two to one on PSG right now, just down one nil. It's not two nil. It's one. Get in on it. Um, Spurs are minus one oh six in the other Wednesday game at home. Uh, Milan. This is way more exciting than the other one. <laughs> AC Milan comes to visit Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Uh, they're plus two eighty. On the three-way line, the draw is plus 260. Spurs down 1-0 on a- aggregate. So they got to go for it here. Milan uh, to advance, minus 188. Spurs plus 137. Similar to, to the Chelsea 
uh, Dortmund match. Spurs is 33 to one. Milan is actually longer. Uh, they're 50 to one uh, to win the entire tournament. I think this one's going to be a big 10 football game. If you're an American listener, you get that reference. It's going to be, you know, mm-hmm. a sl- absolute slog. It's kind of a snoozer. Uh, Maybe it's a 1-0 win for one side or the other, but I can't really see this thing getting off the rails too much. So I actually like the draw uh, at plus 260 here. I think it's just going to be pretty low event. I think the draw is always going to be in play. What do you guys think? Anthony, we'll start with you. Yeah, I bet the under. Uh, I'll have a full preview for this match and PSG Bayern. I'm extremely excited to write uh, on Monday about these, but uh, I will be previewing both in the Action Network app and on the website as well, so you can read some more uh, in-depth analysis there. But I like the under again. You know, I bet the under in the first leg, stone cold under, betting it again in the second leg back in uh, in, in Tottenham. And, I mean, you know, we do this do- song and dance a lot with Spurs and how good are they, and uh, we go back and forth. But even in their wins, even in their wins against West Ham and Chelsea and, and Fulham, uh, it was led by the defense. The defense has been good. The defense played well against Wolves. I know they lost one nil, but they they played well as a whole. Conceded, you know, half an expected goal, a fluke deflected rebound, put back. Wolves didn't really look like threatening. And now Milan comes with a lead, and I actually think Milan is is kind of comfortable in these kind of situations uh, when they get to defend a little bit, a little bit deeper, sitting kind of like a mid block, and then look to transition uh, through Liao, who who did not play against Fiorentina. I do wonder if he was rested a little bit. I know he's been in and out of form, but I know I wonder if he was rested a little bit because of the Champions League on Wednesday, and so he's their best kind of transition player. Uh, but I think Tottenham will have more control of this game than they did the first leg because they're at home. Uh, is a you know they're and they're trailing, so they kind of have to take it to a team. But we've seen this with Tottenham; like if they can't score off set pieces, they're just not that good. And uh, friend of the pod, Michael Cayley, had a tweet which I thought was interesting. Uh, last season, Spurs got about half of a goal per 90 from non-penalty goal per 90 from, from Kulu, Son, and Kane. This year, it's like 0.37. That's a lot. It doesn't sound like a lot. But that's a huge drop-off uh, when you're really relying on those three players to score because you don't really get much from your midfield, especially now that Benton Kerr is injured. And the fullbacks are not providing anything. Pedro Porro shown flashes. Perisic looks like the World Cup was the end of his career. Uh, and And so... Even if Milan concedes, and this is the thing, even if Milan goes down one nil early or it goes down one nil general, I don't think the plan changes. Like they have to come out a little bit more. They're not protecting a lead anymore, but you're not going to see this match become truly back and forth uh, in, until you get to like a two nil situation. And in which case, I would be you know, pretty surprised if that happens early because Spurs' attack uh, is, is anemic. So I like the under. I, I think um, Tottenham's defense got hit early in that match, like kind of on a, a shock play and then was otherwise good in the first leg. They'll have a better midfield for this match. Boy, Beric's back. So, so, yeah, under two and a half. BJ, you're kind of looking at a, uh, a similar angle here. I think all three of us are kind of on the same page. Yeah, I'm, I'm joining Anthony on the under. Um, you know, it, it's funny. Like AC Milan scored in the seventh minute of the match, and then they just sat back and defended in their own half and let Tottenham have the ball. I mean, Spurs... They're not typically a field tilt type team. They usually get the field tilted on them. They had a 72% field tilt and expected threat of 1.5 in that first leg against AC Milan and only able to muster six penalty box shots and 0.59 expected goals. So the question is, what's going to change in this second leg? 
I don't think very much. I mean, AC Milan's going to get Mike Man- they've got Mike Mannion back in goal, which is obviously a huge upgrade for them. So that'll improve their defense, which is only allowing 0.95 non-penalty expected goals in Serie A, which we may need to have a conversation after these ties if all these Italian teams go through of is Serie A actually like a really good league and should we respect them more? Um, but in any case, I mean, AC Milan in Serie A this season are very good depending on both crosses and set pieces, which is obviously, like Anthony mentioned, massive against Tottenham. And against Tottenham, Tottenham only had nine box entries and they only completed two crosses in the penalty area and had 0.8, 0. 0.18 XG off of set pieces. And again, I ask, what's going to change? I don't think very much because Tottenham's offense has shown that when you give them the ball and you say, hey, Tottenham, break us down. We're just going to sit back. They tend to struggle. And I know AC Milan just gave up over two expected goals to Fiorentina over the weekend, but in their previous five matches before that, they only conceded a total of 2.8 expected goals. And those five opponents were Inter, Torino, Tottenham, Monza, and Atalanta. That's not a cupcake schedule. That's some pretty good offenses in there. So I'm with Anthony. I like the value under two and a half goals. I think this is going to turn into basically what we saw in the first leg. And I think AC Milan's going to be very capable uh, sitting deep in their low block. And even if Tottenham does score first, it's not like, I, like Anthony mentioned, I don't think this match is going to open up for either side. I think Tottenham will probably say, okay, we got our goal and then let's, let's just sit back and look to counter. But AC Milan is probably thinking the same thing. So it's going to be this weird kind of stalemate, which I don't think there's going to be a lot of possession. It's, you know, not much back and forth. So yeah, I'm with you under two and a half goals. I think this, this has a good chance of like going to penalties. I just, I just see Tottenham probably winning this one nil. Uh, you know, I mean, I shouldn't say that because, they haven't been reliable at all, but I do think they're the better team and they're at home. So well, why am I not on both teams to score? No, here? just, just on that. the pure number. I actually do have a little bit of value in Tottenham at minus minus one ten, which is rare for me these days. Um, but I'm also just kind of low on Milan too. So uh, yeah, Fiorentina dominated that match. They were completely penning them in. I don't think Tottenham's good enough at pressing to do that or tilting the field consistently. So yeah, I think this is a good under and, I will have a side screen up for this one. Hopefully Tottenham gets through 2-0 would be the dream. And then we can go out gracefully in the quarterfinals. Against PSG. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh. <laughs> oh, man. That'd be a fun matchup. Good luck trying to break down that low block, Mbappe. <laughs> yeah, Mbappe versus Matt Doherty's gone. Yeah, so yeah. Pedro, Pedro Poro and Eric Dyer. Oh, boy. Emerson Royale masterclass incoming. Exactly. Real quick, uh, let's talk Europa League, and then we'll get out of here. Uh, Anthony, you have some thoughts on Roma and Real Sociedad, uh, two teams that in in this podcast now. What are we? Why at? did they draw them with each other? This awesome. is so mean. I was so mean. I'd rather play. I would rather have Roma drawn Arsenal. Genuinely, <laughs> I would too. Like I literally, I said it Arsenal would be so and much Arsenal better. Sociedad, it would be the worst like two possible awesome draws we can get. under first leg Roma to advance spot like. Just beautiful. And all now, the teams that won their groups in the Europa League actually kind of suck. <laughs> that's well, there was only two it. good teams. It was Arsenal yeah. and Sociedad. And those yep. are the two teams we didn't want. And we got Sociedad. Um, yeah, my thoughts are as follows. If you haven't bet Roma yet to win the Europa League, I like Roma to advance. I'm not going to add more because I like Sociedad too. Uh, but I uh, trust Roma's numbers more. Uh, I think this is a good matchup for them because this is Mourinho in a cup, but also... I think you're – and what it ultimately ends up being like a coin flippy kind of thing, I would actually rather be the road team in the second leg. And, and I know that sounds weird, but 
being the team in this leg who's going to be on the road in the second leg means you get to do the countering, the sitting deep, uh, the transitional stuff. Abraham, uh, Tammy Abraham was rotated on Sunday in the win against Juventus. The defense was really solid in that match. I think this plays out pretty similar to that. Uh, even if it's a draw, uh, which I think is very possible in the first leg, you can then come back. I would look to play Roma in the second leg too. I just don't really think there's a huge difference between these two teams. Uh, and so it plus there's a plus monies out there for Roma to advance. I'm okay with those because I, I actually make them a slight favorite over two legs. That being said, somebody did ask uh, if we were joking because we kind of said it sarcastically when we said Roma was a grouper uh, on Sunday. We never joke. Oh, no, that, that was 100% serious. We it's never joke serious. about – we joke about a lot Jose, of things. We do not joke serious. about Jose. It's always serious. Do not joke if about not, Jose. he'll be yelling at our U12s. So yeah. you're, you're, both of your, your – uh, Kids it was U14s, right? Let's, come on, come on, let's give them credit. It was U14s, not U12s. <laughs> let's yeah. get it right. So we do not joke about Roma. We love Roma. And uh, yeah, Forza Roma. One thing I'll say about this matchup, it's very interesting because Sociedad is one of these teams. I kind of see them. They're like the Newcastle of of Spain where they're, they're really good at pressing and setting pressing traps, but they're a lot better when they're playing off the ball and allowing you to try to build out from the back, which Roma really isn't going to do. So yeah. I was actually looking to play an under here, but under two and a half is juiced at minus 170. So there's no chance I'm going to be doing that. I don't know. I might look at a both team to score no here. It's minus 130, but I do project these team each around one goal. So I'll probably just end up passing and uh, I'll, I'll be sad when, when one of these two goes out of the, goes out of this competition. Uh, all right. Uh, before we hit the road and get our PSG futures in, uh, or at least BJ does, uh, what yeah. other, Europa League spots are you eyeing, BJ? I mean, it's the Union Derby, Union Berlin versus Union Saint Gilosi. Uh, this is it is very rare we get these, but these two two are in the same group in the Europa League, and they play. They've already played twice. Each match ended one nothing with the away team winning uh, each leg, and over those two legs, there was a total of two point three expected goals created between the two sides. So it's just dueling three five twos going up against each other. Uh, you, Union uh, Berlin, I, we don't need to keep you going down this diatribe over and over and over again with people on this podcast. You know the drill by this point. But Union St. Gelosi, they are a good defensive team. I mean, throughout the entire Europa League group stage, they allowed five total expected goals. They were in a group with uh, Malmo and Union Berlin. So, I mean, you kind of have to take a little bit of a grain of salt. But in the Belgian Pro League, which is now because of uh, Bruges getting to the round of 16 and a lot of other Belgian clubs making into the round of 16 of both the Europa League and the Europa Conference League, they're up to seventh in UEFA coefficients. So I guess the league is a little more different, difficult now. But any, in any case, they are the number one defensive team in Belgium, only 1.2 expected goals allowed per match. I think what you see, because I'm, I'm taking under two and a half goals at minus 130, I'm surprised it's only sitting at minus 130. Uh, Gelosi has allowed nine goals in the last three matches, but if you go look at the expected goals, it's only been 4.1 expected in those last three matches. So I think this match is going to play out very similarly to those previous two matches where it's the first leg. Nobody really needs to go for it. So I think both teams are going to be happy sitting deep and trying to counter, which is going to lead to a, yet again, another low event type match. So under two and a half goals at minus 130 for me. Uh, Anthony, what about you? Yeah, Arsenal's got some injury problems. And I think this no, is a be- Stop it. beautiful, no, beautiful time to fade them. No, it's not a uh, huge dramatic win against Bournemouth over the weekend. Uh, Bournemouth team total over, by the way, 
<laughs> best that's the bet that was the greatest that bet is the, of the best season. bet of the season that's the best bet of the I mean, season i'll, I'll give i didn't even have the stream i was yet. all happy i was all happy tuning in i was like <laughs> oh my gosh i'm finally my my family's out of the house i get for at least 45 minutes to watch arsenal let's go and then just right out of the gate six was it 16 seconds in I was nine like, seconds nine they drew seconds up a in, play. I, like, I don't know if you saw the replay they like lined up six dudes on one side yeah, they, they had did. a whole coordinated yeah. thing cross <laughs> goal and i'm like I thought it was a, a like I pulled up Peacock. I was stunned. It said I was one like, zero, and I was like, "No way!" So I was I just staring at our defenders. Was like, was that, was that offsides? Was that offsides? Please, can someone give me offsides? No, it was no. It was a very credit to Bournemouth. That was that was genius. Really good. <laughs> yeah, it was genius. More teams should do that, by the way. Uh, yeah. Throw in co- throw in coaches uh, and and uh, kick, kick off kick off set play coaches. Yeah. Um, so that was player. awesome. That was so fun. But yeah, I mean, it gets to another point, which is. Uh, by the way, Arsenal it wasn't the only chance they conceded. They conceded over one point three xG on four very high quality chances. Bournemouth had six six passes completed in the final third. By the way, I'd like yeah. to point that out. Yeah, no, I mean when you're winning for the first eighty nine minutes of the match, there's no reason to go into the final third except to score. Uh, so yeah, I mean, Arsenal's defensive regression is real. They have a striker problem now because of the injuries. No, and do don't. they care? No, they shouldn't care. If I'm Mikel Arteta, I'm going out intentionally here. You can't be playing two games a week. Get the leg up on City, who cares more about the Champions League, some would say. And you don't have the squad depth to do it. So, yes, they can run out the Trossard, Martinelli, Saka mid uh, front three with Xhaka, Odegaard, Partey. But I think it's insane, given that totally. those, are like the o- those are the only six dudes left. Of the front oh, no. three that are front six that are healthy right now, like Vieira's a drop off, and uh, if you start going off to like you know other players, it's it, it's dicey. Don't so say I Reese think, Nelson. I think we're. I didn't say Reese Nelson. That's a great goal, <laughs> but I think you're going to see a bunch of rotation in a in a road spot uh, where Arsenal is going to be flat. So I love sporting at home. No, I think they have a good chance to win this. They're they're well drilled at defending deep and countering, and and perfectly good at it. They did it to Tottenham. They did it to uh, and really should have advanced. They got unlucky against Frankfurt. So this is a you know a Champions League dropout who's pretty good, and uh, I like sporting at home. Lovely. Um, all right. So yeah, that wraps up this episode of Wondergal presented by Bet Three Six Five, the world's favorite sportsbook brand. We will be back on Thursday morning to talk Premier League, and then again Monday morning uh, to wrap up this round of the Champions League and and try to size up. You know why BJ didn't join us on PSG twenty-two to one, uh, but don't worry, he'll be buying in on them at at four four to one. At, at that that's point, my move. So. No, that's an Anthony. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's why. That's my move. You will uh, never get me to put a cent on this PSG team, and that's why BJ will be out uh, yeah. a cent when they win on or three point two cents if they win on the money line. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for BJ Cunningham, for Anthony DeBundo, I'm Michael Lebop. We will see you again in a couple of days. Until then, keep your eyes out for the Indian Wells tennis draw. <laughs> and, of course, the New York Some Islanders. Some would say the most NFL, important NFL bracket reveal props. of March. Yeah. Uh, best of luck with all your bets in the Champions League this week. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.